Hey friends and happy holidays. Welcome back to Lit Tea. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm your host, Sabrina Lotfi, and we made it all the way to episode 10. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Courtney Kay, the author of In the Event of Love, which released this August. So let's get to it. How is everything going over there? Whew, it's been a struggle, the second book. I actually, my final is due on Monday. I just, I was supposed to turn it in Friday and it's taking me a lot longer. Oh my um, gosh. This whole book has taken me a lot longer than, like I've had to rewrite it several times. This is the Ben and Adam one. Yeah. Yes, that you're working <laughs> yeah. on currently. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. I'm getting there. My editor is so gracious um, and working with me. So the final final will be going to her on Monday. So I have through the weekend, which is great. It's getting there like I'm finally proud of it, but it has been so hard. Like probably the hard, one of the hardest projects I've ever <laughs> worked on, you know? Just different, it's different. Yeah. Oh man, what's your second to yeah. like published? Did you have any of it written before you? No. <laughs> no, oh, those are the hardest, those are the hardest. <laughs> So Kensington, you know, they bought the two book deal and I gave them a full outline um, pitch and summary for the second book when they bought it. So it was ready to go in that I I knew what was going to happen. But then during the drafting, I just didn't anticipate the mental blocks that came up and just the self-doubt and then dealing with reviews coming in for the first time on book one and then just the pressure of like getting it turned in and also it's only the second rom-com I've ever written (laughs) so oh what's your usual I so in the event of love was my first ever adult and rom-com so I used to write YA fantasy before okay yeah you're like oh (laughs) we vibe yeah no we totally vibe yes yeah (laughs) and I just I don't know at some point I had been working on so much YA fantasy um it was feeling so heavy and as a reader I was reading a lot of contemporary romance like ever since Helen Wong came out with the kiss quotient I fell in love with the genre and just you know, devoured it. That's a good one to like, yeah, grab you in. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. <laughs> so good. And I didn't think I would ever write one because it was so different from what I was used to. But it turned out that I think like doing a holiday one was a bit of a transition between the fantasy and the contemporary mm-hmm. contemporary. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because um, it was so fun to add lots of whimsical details and it was fun to create a whole world in that little mountain town well and winter is such a magical time of year too snow and like all the sparkly lights and everybody you know everyone's getting cozy by fires with hot chocolate and their sweaters yeah it's a perfect totally perfect transition i think yeah thanks and it just it brought so much joy you know during that really rough time for all of us (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, but then now going into book two, it's been interesting, really kind of finding my footing in the genre. And it's a summertime romance, which is still can add a lot of like whimsical details at the beach. And Mm -hmm. and I am creating a a little town as well. I I just I don't like researching. (laughs) location so I like putting 
fake towns. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's more fun for me to create spots that I wished I could go to or like that's kind of a mashup of a lot of places that I've been. Oh, I love that. That's cool. Do you, you probably see really good in your head, I guess. Like, I do. Can visualize really good. I cannot, I, I love doing research because I'm just like just I need to see what it looks like, and oh. then I can go type it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But you know what is hard for me to see is are, are my characters' faces. Me too. I have these nerdy character walls. <laughs> no, I was eyeing that. I was thinking that is so, so I've cool. I've got another one over here. Oh, that's such a good idea. It's great. I just put poster board and then... Um, Do you take... I actually use magnetic tape with it and then I can pull <gasps> them off and like... That's right. I can like pull them off and like put them on my little... I have like little magnetic dry erase boards too. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm obsessed with these kinds of hacks. I love that so much. We do. I love it. And I'm sorry, I, I kind of just kind of went off on a just chatting, but. Oh my God, I was actually going to ask you. I was like, okay, I know we haven't actually started yet, but I feel like there was so much gold in that. Is it okay if I use some of that? <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm sorry, and I don't want to take up your whole day. No, I was about to say the same thing. I don't want to take up your whole day. I'm good. So you, we just need to keep an eye on the clock and like you tell me when you're like, hey. All right. I need to go. All right. You yeah, lead the way. Stay cozy. <laughs> I, also, I love your whole little setup back there, your bookshelf and your big book cover. Uh, that's awesome. Is that a poster? It's a canvas. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Susan Lee, who wrote Soulmates, she had one in her office and I thought it was so cool. So I got one and it's been really helpful um, during panels and zoom meetings and things it's great it's perfect it's like <laughs> here's my book you have to get another one when you get I yeah do. i do but i'm gonna run out of room if i keep publishing books <laughs> that's okay i mean if you're and this is what authors need for decor they just like a room with just all their book i love covers. it like it you can it can you can turn it into wallpaper it's fine I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect oh that's so cool thank you so we totally just started chatting hard. You ready to for real do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Two quick, fun little would you rathers. Incredible story, but bad writing or incredible writing, but a really terrible story. I would go with incredible story. Okay. Okay. I feel like I can look past the line issues that don't aren't particularly my tastes if I'm really invested in the character and what's happening. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I got the opposite answer on my last one and agreed with their response too. And I agree with you. And I'm pretty sure that I don't think I could answer that one if someone asked me. <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Like sometimes I can't get past bad writing. True. And sometimes I can. It really, it kind of depends on the bad quirks, I think too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I'm just glad that I'm the one asking the questions right now. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I know that one took a minute, but yeah, though these are hard. Okay, would you only if you could only read one? Would you rather read the first page or the last page? <gasps> oh, the first page. Okay, I love opening a book and feeling like I'm stepping inside of a new world. It's mm -hmm. I don't know. It's such a magical feeling to me. Definitely the first page. They're also really great for writers. Yes, querying writers especially like good first pages are really hard. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So what book made you a reader? Oh my God. Oh, 
you know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of us, uh, me being a millennial, <laughs> who had not read fiction like that before. I hadn't read fiction like that before, for sure. Yeah. And it, growing up, I had what I mean, Sweet Valley High and all the. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, all the different things like that. But when I picked up Twilight, it was like, what is this? And I was actually in my early 20s when I read it. And I hadn't read anything like it. So it reignited my love of reading that I had lost, I think, over my teen years when it became about studying and mm-hmm. um, then into college. And then when I picked up Twilight, it just triggered something in my brain like oh this this kind of thing exists and then from there obviously I discovered lots and lots more yes I think I started Twilight in my 20s also I don't I didn't start it right away I actually it got really big and I was sitting there going what's the big deal why is everybody talking about this book and finally I was like yeah. I actually think I watched the movie first. I was like, I should probably read the book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I liked it. I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I did. I liked Twilight. I liked Twilight, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> we both <laughs> did. <laughs> did too. Um, I actually can't believe I'm going to say this, um, but here we go. So I read it before the movies had come out and they were filming the movies, parts of the movies around my hometown. Oh my gosh. Um, and actually, Jacob is from my hometown. Oh my <laughs> Like to the point where, um, oh my God. I mean, I, I'm much older than him. So it was like, oh wow, that's um, Taylor. Like I used to go to the same church as him. <laughs> When he was really little and he did Shark Boy Lava Girl and he got up and talked about his role and then all of a sudden he's in Twilight. And oh my god. People around my town would bring like life size cutouts of him to restaurants. Wow, okay. <laughs> and um I didn't this was so it was kind of all happening at once when I started reading the books and I kind of missed my whole fan fiction era in my teen years Mm -hmm. as far as like discovering what it was, but I would have been hardcore into (laughs) writing (laughs) fan fiction. I think that's actually why I started writing because I fell so in love with like an epic feeling of a love story Mm -hmm. um, that I wanted to write something like that. Nice. (laughs) So is all of my work Twilight fan fiction? Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, it doesn't all feel like that, just so you know. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. Anyway, getting real. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> uh, I love it. Twilight's such a funny one. Like, so many people are like... I hate it. And then a lot of people are like, but I secretly love it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely so much to be dissected with the problematic issues of Twilight. Um, but beyond that, yes, it was definitely, what's the word? 
like so impactful for a lot of us who are writers now. Yeah, it. I don't know. It was very different from what I was used to reading. Exactly. And it was unique too. I mean, like she made sparkle vampires and like really cool like baseball stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know I read articles back to your original question. I have read articles where people have talked about, you know, the writing is not great. I don't know. I haven't read it in so long. I don't remember. I haven't either. <laughs> but that's where I feel like in instances like that, you can look past the line level. And there was just something about, I don't know, the characters and what they needed that that drew me in. Twilight also got me through a broken leg. I actually... Oh. I had a broken leg. I couldn't do anything. And like, it was after the fourth book had come out too. So I was able to just binge the whole thing and just like disappear. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that was before Netflix, I believe. It was definitely before like the streaming Netflix. They might have had the DVD ones, but I don't know if I was doing that. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we that we could only binge books. Yeah, that was were harder to binge because you could only get the one DVD at a time and then like had to mail it. Yeah, that was fun. Oh my god, I forgot. We've been through such hard times. We have. I also had a blockbuster right next to me. Yes. I could go get movies from over there. I miss Blockbuster, to be honest. Those were the best Friday nights, going with your friends. Yeah, getting and candy. getting candy. Yes. <laughs> and then you could see them all. It was a little, di- I mean, you can scroll through, but it was really nice to just see all the titles, like, right there in front of your face. Yes, it was an occasion. hmm And, like, sometimes you'd see your crush in there and be like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, they're looking at me. Look around the aisle. I'm going to go to this aisle. Yes. <laughs> Telling you, kids these days are missing out on that. I know. Oh, that was good times. Oh my gosh, we went off on the hugest tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Okay. Do you want to share some hobbies and interests? Sure. Let's see. Hobbies besides reading and writing. I love gardening. I love my cats. Oh, gardening. Cool. That's that's basically it. I, I'm a very boring person. No. I Well, and it's kind of been a couple years of, of course, we were in the pandemic and then mm-hmm. a couple years of being on deadline. So I haven't really allowed myself the freedom to enjoy activities. And not that I'm complaining about deadline, but there is this sense of when you have free time, you should be writing. Mm-hmm. So my deadline comes to an end on Monday and I feel like I am just going to rediscover myself in many ways. Yes. Um, I love Animal Crossing. I'm kind of, I love it so much. It's, uh, I love, so I'm, my, my island is full of weeds, so I'm looking forward to fixing my island nice okay I have not played Animal Crossing and I hear so much about it and I I don't have the little system for it is the yeah. big problem so, yeah <laughs> but I it's every time I hear people talk about it I'm like I, I want to play <laughs> I know I see and I'm that way about sims I really want to play sims but I'm scared because I feel like it will take over my whole life you know I was just going through the Dahlia interview and um she was talking about people playing the sims with their characters to better get to know their characters so you could yes you could do that and then call it research well I was we were actually (laughs) just talking um Fallon Ballard and I were just talking to Lily Vale about this same thing and I was saying how in Animal Crossing it is 
I've actually sat at my writing desk and thought, okay, well, on the island, they have different character traits for each villager. Uh-huh. And and how, like, one is the rock star, one is the, you know, gym junkie, one is the very <laughs> sensitive bookish type. And, it, and it's funny, they have festivals, they have all these things. So I <laughs> referenced Animal Crossing a lot in world building, which is kind of hilarious to me. That is funny. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and you said you have a cat. What's your cat's name? I have two. I have Winter... And uh, she is a little white, like, pointed calico. And Star is a tortie. And there are definitely grump sunshine situation going on. Oh, cute. Who's sunshine and who's grump? Winter is a sunshine and Star is the grump. Star only likes me. And it's a huge source (laughs) of pride for my ego. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, Cats are very selective. So they know. They know. (laughs) She doesn't like anyone else in the whole world. And my family is so offended by it. Um, But I'm like, it's fine. (laughs) She likes me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, My cat loves me, but does not want to be with me all the time. My dog is like, what room are we going into? Okay, I'll be right here. Okay, let's go outside together. Like, Oh, sweet. (laughs) I Actually, I was laughing when you said winter So and star. I was like, oh, those are perfect names for, like, you. Like, knowing, like, you (laughs) and, like, reading your books, like, as your pet name. (laughs) Oh, gosh. My book hasn't become my entire personality. (laughs) Or is my personality my book? (laughs) Probably a little of both. I mean, <laughs> uh, okay, you want to dive into some querying questions? Oh, yes, I love. Yay. Okay, do you want to kind of walk us through your path and like the books you submitted and just however much you want to share? Yeah, I'm happy to share about my querying journey. I, oh, it's kind of almost a sense of guilt for me because it was very fast. I like cringe even saying that because I know how difficult uh, querying can be. Some people's paths are really quick. Some are slower. It's okay. My Well, and we all have our different things that we struggle with when it comes to um, like finding, I guess, getting to the milestones that we hope to be mm-hmm. at. And for me, it took honestly <clears throat> about maybe eight to 10 years before I even felt comfortable querying Mm -hmm. at all. So that was where my struggle was, is getting to that point where, okay, I feel ready. But you were writing that whole time. Writing that whole time. Yeah, so I started with short stories. Um, Well, I kind of started with daydreaming and conceptualizing a whole novel for, what, (laughs) a year? And then I was like, I should maybe try to write. And it turns out that it was very difficult to grasp the breadth of a whole novel for me right away. They're hard. Books are hard. There's so much structure that you have to learn and your voice and your tone. And, and mm-hmm. all, there's so many layers to a novel, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, as we know. <laughs> so it was easier for me to sit down and grasp like the concentrated version in a short story to develop the 
plot and the characters, but have it be bite-sized almost. Okay. And then I took what I learned from that and expanded it into, you know, a, a longer story. So I read a lot of craft books as I went along to learn how to do that. And especially because my brain is very, like, I like methods and I like hacks and I like structure when it comes to creating. I like creating within a structure. So a couple of books, if it's okay to mention. Oh, yeah. Mention away. Cool. Story <laughs> Genius by Lisa Cron was one that unlocked something in me um, because she takes you through your character, where they're starting from, and then she asks you questions throughout the book that helps you create this blueprint or a map, if you will. And by the time you're done, actually, it's it's more of a workbook, really. And she is actually working with a writer in the story, in the book, to develop their book. So you're seeing examples of what this person's doing okay. to develop their story, and you're kind of working along with this person. She gives you tasks to do. And by the time you're done, you have a fully fleshed outline, and all you have to do is fill it in. To me, that really put something like a light bulb went off in my brain of how to then dig into each part and make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then with romance, I used um, Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes, which is a very, very short read if you are wanting to get into the structure of how to develop a romance or a heavy romance subplot. Um, and then, of course, uh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Save the Cat by Jessica Brody. Save the Cat writes oh, yes. a novel, as we know. But even that one, I had a hard time grasping all of the beats um, or like translating them into my brain so between those three it's kind of that's like my you know trifecta <laughs> I need to check out the story genius because I hear a lot of people talk about it I'm sorry writing world that I have not checked it out yet oh gosh you're fine <laughs> some people and some people don't like craft books at all you know I love craft books I, I do too <laughs> I I'm like just help me figure out where I'm going because I, I I tend to freeze up if there's too many options. Oh, me too. I love Save the Cat, and it's so good with, like, character growth and everything, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily the best for having a perfect plot outline. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to check out using those together. That sounds really smart. <laughs> and Save the Cat is really helpful to bring out the cinematic beats that you want to hit, mm -hmm. like your climax and your, especially the beginning of the story, like your big moment. Yeah, your yes, exactly. So I use Save the Cat to make sure I'm hitting those big moments. And then Story Genius helps me go to the other layers. Yeah, yeah, it's the other layers that I have a hard time with when I'm just looking at Save the Cat. Same. And then, so once I got, so I had several, so I did this to short stories and then I have so many novels that I started and will never see the light of day. And it's definitely for the best on many of them. Um, I was working on a YA fantasy for God, two years. Oh, wow. I rewrote that thing probably four times. I mean, it was a sweeping, like epic world with no real uh magic system like nothing <laughs> so like nothing made sense I just wanted to write this big romance <laughs> <laughs> 
And then when I became a romance reader and I got this idea for Morgan and Rachel, I just knew in my gut that was the one I wanted to query. And at that point, Pitch Wars was going on and I had used it every year as sort of a, a, a goal, a time frame goal. I wanted to enter every year and was just never ready. And then once I wrote in the event, I was ready and I entered. Um, I was shocked to get in. Like, uh, and um, I worked with Rachel Lynn Solomon, who is just a light in this world. And our brains clicked. Um, and working with her was an absolute dream. She's such a dear friend. And from there, I signed with my incredible agent, Claire Friedman. Um, I love you, Claire. <laughs> She's really incredible. And um, yeah, and the book sold very quickly, I think, because I think about this a lot because it, well, it's a it's a sapphic hallmark, basically, which I think at that point, publishers were... And I'm sure they still are. I hope they still are. But at that point, that's what Kensington wanted. And um, it worked out. I'm so glad it did. We needed a big Hallmark. Yes. Thank you. And um, I never dreamed that that would happen because it felt like niche, niche, niche. (laughs) You know, it was a holiday book. And I feel like there aren't many debuts that are holiday like, I feel like that's something that people kind of write once they already have an established career. I, I, I am wrong. <laughs> but, and it also, I didn't know, would anybody even want to buy a holiday book? And it's queer. It ended up working out. But I think bottom line was I wrote what I desperately wanted to read and what gave me so much joy. And so... Everything else was just, I kind of was sitting there like, oh, this is actually happening. And I still feel that way, honestly. <laughs> like it, it has not settled in. It's been kind of a whirlwind and it's been, I'm so grateful and it, uh, all of it. Yay. Well, I'm so glad it did. <laughs> I really enjoyed. And I'm really looking forward to Ben and Adam's story. Thank you. Yeah. So you did Pitch Wars and then you also signed with Claire and then you obviously got your book picked up. So what kind of revisions went into each of those different processes? First with your your mentor for Pitch Wars and then once you signed and then once you got your book deal. Sure. So revision wise, let's see. In the event was my story genius book. (laughs) So I, I feel like the characters were pretty solid, but I had never written a contemporary book before. I had always written YA fantasy. Um, And while I knew the conventions of the genre as far as being a reader, it is of course a little like new way of kind of like learning a new language when you're writing in a new genre. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to learn in Pitch Wars how to, let's see, there were some awesome tips that Rachel gave me that I'll never forget. Like in a romance, you always want to, the question is, will they end up together? So you always need to have that tension going through until the very end. Um, that is like your ultimate happy ending. The whole time the reader's like, like, obviously, you know, they're going to end up together, but there has to be that tension of, will they though? <laughs> 
And it's got to feel real because feel real. because you know they're going to end up together. So, yeah, that's a, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, and let's see. It's best to either have your main couple, your love interest interacting at least every other chapter in some way. Ooh, this gives me hope. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and so... Like with Morgan, for example, there were a lot of other relationships that she needed to mend and work on. And there was, of course, this big fundraiser she had to plan. So there were a lot of moments to sort of interweave. Like Rachel and Morgan were the main thread, but then you also have to intersperse the plot points and the the world and the, you know, different Mm -hmm. relationships. So always kind of coming back to that love interest and keeping that the main focal point. Um, it was really helpful to remember. And I, I had a lot of restructuring to do in the middle of my book because another thing that I learned was you have to, sorry, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> For my book, what I needed was to, I had actually two tree farm events in the original draft. And it was too monotonous, uh, repetitive, and it just was not interesting. (laughs) um, A lot of, like, I remember in my CP feedback, they were like, wait, the event's happening already? (laughs) And so I learned how to interject different festivals, kind of like a mini climax that builds to the next act. Mm. Also in the climax, it's helpful to basically all of your main plot threads are going to come to a point in your climax to then blow up and bring us back down to the um, dark night of the soul, if you will. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, sorry to get super crafty, but that's everything that I learned. (laughs) No, I love getting crafty. That's why we're here. (laughs) Yeah, so that was what I worked on. And then once it went to... Uh, Kensington, we actually had super minimal revisions because it had been through so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but hitch wars. They really get in there. And I had also some amazing critique partners that I had so many eyes on it and uh, very grateful for that. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. So, do you have any tips for making your query letter stand out? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, yay. Okay, so. <laughs> One thing that I did in the beginning of my query letter, and this is not like a blanket statement of this will work, but it is helpful to almost put, it can be helpful to almost put a little log line up front. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sorry, I don't have the query in front of me, but I put a line in the very front before I went, dove into introducing the character. It was, in the event of love is a steamy, queer hallmark and I am sure I hopefully I said it I wrote it better than that in the query (laughs) but doing a little brief snapshot working that in um like a one-line hook if you will so they know what's ahead yeah it really puts you in the right mindset for when you dive into oh now we're meeting the characters and yeah which can be a little bit slower in introductions in a query letter because you have a lot to introduce. Yeah, and I had an author friend recommend that to me when she was giving me feedback on my query, and it ended up working really well through Pitch Wars and then with uh, querying agents 
in that agent round. And then what I do from there is you, and who is your character? What do they want? What is going to stop them from getting what they want? How are they going to circumvent that obstacle? And then what happens if they fail? And then, so those are the stakes that I like to hit in the query. And then you wrap it up in the end with your, like a brief bio and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love the little bullet points you just put in there too. My brain loves structure. So I, and also actually, if you look at the inside jacket or back cover copy of books, it's essentially a query letter. Um, It goes through all of those beats and hooks you with that, well, if they fail, you know, what? (laughs) there's that last uh, kind of like, well, what's going to happen? I I have to see how this unfolds. What direction is it going to go in? Yeah. And so that was something that I use a lot to learn how to write a query letter was the the summaries of books. And you can find them online too. Goodreads, any, any book summary will help you kind of develop a query. They usually have really good comp title. Mm-hmm. Also a fun thing for comp titles is if you look at blurbs for a book, you might have an idea of what you, that it might relate to your book or comp to your book. A lot of the authors that blurb books are in that same vein. Mm-hmm. It, it can be helpful to pull from those authors. Like if you're trying to pull comp titles. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Another thing in your bio is don't hesitate to, um, uh, like, obviously I wouldn't go into like, it's not the place to give a, like a resume, (laughs) (laughs) but do mention like if, if you had editor interest in a pitch or in, in a pitch contest or something like, like anything that's going to say, Hey, you know, there's some interest in this book. If you've had that through a pitch contest or, anything like I, I've had something published here like just know it like that cannot hurt you to mention it's seriously not going to hurt you I think it can only help you yeah no I think that's really smart too I've seen people send nudges with some of that information sometimes as well yeah um if they're already querying yeah and then and then you enter a pitch contest and get like an editor like or whatever mm-hmm. um and then absolutely it's been Three months with an agent. Hey, have you gotten a chance to read this? And also, by the way, yeah. Actually, because of Pitch Wars, before I had even signed with my agent, I had editors liking my, um, you know, showcase pitch, Mm -hmm. my showcase entry on Twitter. And it's interesting because when... Claire, when we went out on sub, there was already interest because of pitch wars. So these things really do kind of link together. And because of that interest, I think that's a huge reason why my sub process went so quickly because it was, um, we were able to, uh, nudge it along from that interest. So if you're involved in those contests and stuff, I, I, it really can't hurt you to mention any sort of interest that you might have garnered from those. They're all inter, like it says, a very small industry. <laughs> it is. And yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's also really easy for them to hop over and peek at it and be like, oh, wow, it really did get a lot of attention. And Yeah, and it's helpful. I 
I would imagine it's helpful to the agent too, to sort of have a starting point of, oh, okay, this is somebody I could have on the sub list. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Twitter pitches, this is a perfect time to jump into this. Oh, yeah. Do you have any tips for constructing pitches? I do. I haven't cracked this book open in so long, but it, it was instrumental in helping me do this. Which one is that? It's um, Writing Irresistible Kid Lit. Oh, cool. By Mary Cole. Okay, cool. It was actually the first craft book I ever read. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it actually walks you through those beats of the query. Oh my God, okay, I can't find it. So what I'm gonna tell you <laughs> is there is a book called Writing Irresistible Kid Lit by Mary Cole, and she actually walks you through the query and she walks you through um, the log line as well, like a very quick elevator pitch. And it essentially is the meat of your query. So it's who is your character? What do they want? What's going to stop them from getting it? And what happens if they fail, basically? And if you can answer all of those things, let's see. So my pitch for in the event, it's actually still up on the internet. It's on um, the Pitch Wars showcase for 2020. Oh, cool. And I, I had used that structure, uh, Rachel and I had used it to develop it, and it's actually still what I use. It's what was in my publisher's marketplace announcement. Um, nice. Yeah, so it mentions Morgan. She's an event planner. She has a major blow up. So she's at the height of her career, so what she wants is her promotion, right? And she has a major blow up scandal with her career, so... In order to save her career, she has to take a job back in her rustic home mountain town where she finds that the owner of the tree farm she's there to save is the girl who broke her heart seven years ago. So you're left thinking like, oh gosh, how is this going to work out? Obviously we know, but that is like a concise way of breaking it down. That's a really good recommendation just because usually those things get get tweaked at all the different levels that's impressive <laughs> yeah it, it it had a pretty cinematic pitch i think because of the the steamy queer hallmark <laughs> element yeah yeah because it was such a spin on that well it's three words and it says so much too yeah and i think too it, it's developing those things and having that ready in your toolkit is really can be helpful as you're writing because it helps keep you on track with your plot sometimes. Oh, totally. So do you have any tips on synopsis? Oh, yes. Okay, I, I only have one. That is, please look up the How to Write a Synopsis by Susan Dennard. Okay, have you read that? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the only thing I use. Um, Susan wrote Truth Witch, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so she has this... I can't even imagine how many hits that blog post has gotten. <laughs> but essentially, and what I did to write my synopsis is I wrote it after the book, but you could also write it from your outline, which is great for pitching if you are, um, you know, looking to option or, or something like that. But using your outline or going through your book and writing just basically one line that happens in each chapter. That's my favorite too. Yeah, and condensing it. And, you know, of course, the difference between a synopsis and a query is the query, you bring them up to, um, you know, what's going to happen if they fail. And then the synopsis, you bring us through the entire book. It's essentially like so that um, an agent or an editor or 
a publisher can look at it and say, oh, okay, so this has legs, it, you know, to go all the way through. Mm-hmm. I love that method. I do too. It's, it's really the only thing that works for me. <laughs> I actually do a really giant one. So I use Scrivener and then in the little index card thingy part, yeah, I just type out the chapter in like a little paragraph form of like what's in this one. And then I'll print it out when I'm trying to fix stuff. Cause I'm, but I do pretty in-depth ones on there, like specific Ooh. things like that are in that scene. Uh, Cause I usually have a lot of moving parts per scene and I always forget every like where specific things are like when did you talk about this one thing and that's so smart um so that's helpful and then I used to do bullet points this most recent book I was like I'm gonna write it really pretty and then I'm gonna use this when I need to make my synopsis and I'm just gonna start condensing I love that (laughs) but it's also been really helpful finding stuff so oh yeah for sure like a a little blueprint yeah yeah also it's really nice because once you do put down everything like a little summary for each chapter. There are obviously chapters you're not going to need to include. You're probably just going to want to hit your major beats and bring us wrap wrap it up to the end. Mm-hmm. But at least when you have it all written out, then it's easier to go back in and, and slash things. It is. So I love printing them out when I have my, my book done too. And I'll look at those for like, okay, what kind of big picture edits do I need to make? What's happening? Where did certain characters disappear? Like, you know, those kind of things. So helpful. And I think too, something I'm just remembering now is you have your A plot and your B plot, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your external, oh no, we have to save the tree farm. (laughs) And then your internal journey, that is the character arc, right? Your, Your character's internal journey of healing or whatever they need to go through. And so I think it's important to show both in your synopsis. Yes character growth as well as plot points yeah yeah do you have any writing routines that you do like do you have any like favorite snacks or favorite I don't know places to write I have my little office that I love to write in sometimes it feels too isolating um if I'm really having a tough mental time at it um so I will either be writing at my desk and something that kind of triggers my brain, oh, it's time to write, is I have a little lamp that I'll turn on on my desk. And I also have, <laughs> God, this is so dramatic, but I have a um, like aromatherapy <laughs> thing, <laughs> uh, diffuser, diffuser. Nice. So that's going and I, I have to have noise so I don't get too distracted in my own brain. Um, something that becomes white noise. So I'll pick a song that feels like the moment and I'll just play it on repeat. Also, I will write in my living room and basically (laughs) my poor little family has to orbit around me (laughs) and I take over the TV and it only loops Hallmark movies because they kind of become that white noise and you just get the vibe. Well, they can come and join you and watch a Hallmark movie if they want to. They do. They do. And they're like, We've seen this one like 25 times. <laughs> like, I'm like, sorry, I haven't. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, and it becomes, oh my gosh, um, I've been really deep in edits and turning in uh, multiple different drafts. So at each stage, it's been like crunch time, you know, the crunch weekend. And my family's so sweet. And my little one, like they just wanted to hang out with me. And so <laughs> we put a blow up mattress <laughs> in the living room and it was like, you know, I was on the couch, my husband's on the other couch, my little one's on the blow-up mattress, and we're all just, like, hanging out. It was, like, a big, 
slumber party. <laughs> that, oh, they get to be a part of your writing process. That's adorable. Yeah, yeah. They're they're really super supportive. Cute. Do you have any tips to battle writer's block? I It's something I really struggle with. And the only thing that I can say is that it's typically coming from, for me, either I'm just so up in my feelings about insecurities and when it's that I just need to push through it and the only way to do that is to start writing and it sucks it's like almost painful to open my computer I mean I think we all know that feeling of like it's like oh (laughs) painful but then once you get going once you get into the flow you kind of leave that behind and I think it's this moment of like stepping out of your conscious right and letting yourself just ease into the act getting into the flow of creating and embracing your subconscious Mm -hmm. when it has to do with an element that isn't working um I feel like sometimes I'll know it in my gut but I don't want to face it (laughs) so it does take a little bit of okay let's fix this problem and then things will flow and usually that comes from asking questions um, of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so like in this last draft, I had to come up with something that my character had failed in the past and the answer ended up being closely related to the business he owns. Um, and it kind of made everything seamless, but my brain had to get there. Right. (laughs) So asking questions. Sometimes you have to, yeah. Sometimes you have to see the wrong and know it's wrong before you can figure out yeah what it needs I do that a lot yeah me too (laughs) I I yeah there's a lot of times where I'm like I can't move forward yet I know that I wrote crap here but like I know this isn't right and it's gonna really mess with me moving forward yeah and another thing I do which is extremely helpful to me is write badly on purpose Mm. so it feels intentional um and because it is intentional And it's the only way sometimes that I can get words on a page, especially in that first draft. And to figure out where the story needs to go before you make it pretty, yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't need to be pretty at that point. It's going to change so much. And there's no way you can hit everything on that first go. You can't, it, it, some people can, that's amazing. Some people can. (laughs) Um, I am not one of those people. We we hate you a little bit. (laughs) With love. (laughs) Exactly. So writing badly on purpose (gasps) makes it feel intentional, you know, and it's like, so if I see something and I want to cringe, it's like, no, it's supposed to be that way right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So it's easier to keep, to keep going. I can't. I can't do it in my computer. I cannot. So I I do the by hand and then I just, I'm like, oh, my handwriting's messy and it's shorthand. No, there's no thes in it. Yeah, there's no descriptions in it yet, but it's fine because it's just in your notebook. Yeah. And switching between like digital and handwriting is so helpful too. That's a great point. I do that a lot. Yeah, I, I do that a lot. I usually I start in the notebook and then I'm like, okay, now I have no idea what that is. And I need to make a little bit of sense of it. So I'll go type it up. And sometimes I'm like, a lot of times I'm just give myself permission to just type it up badly. So I'm like, just type it up the way it is, put the gaps in there. And there's no dialogue tags. And it's fine. Like, just yeah. get it in there. You and know? it just gets you in the flow. And then you can it kind of, it's helpful to start a writing session that way. Like, typing what you already wrote in a notebook yeah and because usually it 
kind of helps you bypass that, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know where to start because you've already started, you're typing it up and then usually your brain can keep going. Oh, that's a really good one. I I don't didn't actually think about that, but I do that a lot. Like I'll I do too. I'll get stuff ready and then I'm like, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna type this up and then keep going. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, it, that's helpful to me too. Do you wanna jump into some book questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, yay. So we've kind of talked about this as we talked about revisions and stuff made, but for anyone who hasn't read yet, would you like to tell us a little bit about In the Event of Love and your inspiration? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, In the Event of Love is, <laughs> we've already said all of this, but um, yeah, it is It is a, a sapphic, steamy hallmark. Um, but <laughs> I feel like people are going to like walk away from this being like, sapphic, steamy hallmark, okay? <laughs> Got it. It's just all they're going to see. They're going to be like writing it in their sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we have established that. Um, the It was inspired by actually um, a tough time that my family went through in the end of 2019. And what gave us a lot of comfort was sitting close on the couch and watching endless holiday movies <laughs> because it kind of was this little bubble. We could cuddle and everything ended happy and it was this really good escape that we needed to sort of heal from this moment in our lives. So of course while watching those movies um, it was impossible not to notice that they are all very heteronormative mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, especially at that time and I I think it's really cool that so many movies are coming out now that center queer couples. I think actually yes. Hallmark has their first one coming out this month, next month. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, they have their first main couple, gay main couple. And I think it's his name, Jonathan Bennett. Um, I just adore him. But so it's called The Holiday House 2 because or the Christmas house too. And Christmas house okay, one, cute. they were a side couple. And that was a huge deal because they had, a, they shared a kiss and it was like this big, big thing. So it's happening. It's happening. Yay. <laughs> um, and of course, Netflix and, you know, different uh, streaming services have been on that in Lifetime with um, the Christmas setup, mm -hmm. which was adorable. And that was filmed in, I want to say 2020. And the main couple... And it has Fran Drescher as the mom. I just adore her. Yes. <laughs> um, but the main couple, they're actually married in real life. And Aww. they were able to film and, like, actually do on-scene kisses because they were married, you know, like, in their quarantine bubble. So <laughs> so um, that was actually, that was really sweet to learn. So, yeah. That is cute. They are, they exist, but I definitely wanted to create it in book form. Okay, so that is about Morgan and Rachel. And then you also have, do you know what month in 2023 yet? Yeah, it's coming July 25th, 2023. Um, it's okay. in the case of Heartbreak, and that is Ben's story, who is a... Ben and Adam. Aww. Yeah, Ben and Adam. And Adam is Rachel's brother, who is the um, owns the auto shop in Fern Falls. And Ben is our cinnamon roll of a baker. It has a very different feel from in the event in that we kind of dive into a lot of like Ben's childhood trauma. So that's been a lot of working. So there will be different trigger warnings for book two. 
um, that I'll put on my website and once you know, you know arcs are ready to go out but yeah and the, probably I would imagine the spring is when they'll start funneling out arcs okay but we go to copy edits next week so we're we're getting there <laughs> yay yeah um and is that all Ben's point of view yes yeah and okay the okay. point of view because it's a series will be um the same as book one so it'll be first person present to have that same flow of a series. Okay, cool. Um, are we gonna get a third Fern Falls book? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. Okay. It's a little early, so Yeah. I would love to pitch a Whitney and Tanner book. Um, I just have to kind of figure that one out. <laughs> okay. So, I can see that. So we'll see. That would really be the only other avenue I would go for that okay. series. So Okay, that's cute. Everybody bug the people that can make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun to do little novellas too. Like a Morgan and Rachel honeymoon or oh, things like yeah. that would be super fun. <laughs> you know what would be really fun is if um is do we have a movie deal yet? Like are we on are we coming to Hallmark yet? Like is that happening? No. Please put the vibes out there. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's only fair with all the aver the Hallmark advertising you're doing for them that they make you a movie, <laughs> right? I know. Come on, Hallmark. It would need some like um closed door editing, I think, but that's okay. <laughs> it probably would. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, it's like a major network, so <laughs> they have to but yeah. I don't know. Hopefully one day. That's the dream, right? For me. <laughs> yes. That would be so cool. Was there any interesting research you had to do for either of the projects? Yes. Um, I had to research land development. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for book one, which is so boring. Um, but my husband actually, um, he, he was a geologist. And so he helped me with the questions for this one scene, uh, that actually required some technical terms. And it was so funny because I tell Rachel Lynn Solomon that she saved my book from becoming like a real estate manual. Because <laughs> sometimes you can get so deep into those details, you feel like you have to work in everything. Uh, um, well, you put a lot of work into the research too. Like it's like, I'm, I'm gonna use this. I just spent hours learning about these things. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Um, and then, also like getting on Google Maps and I, I did so Fern Falls is supposed to be a location that is kind of like in relation of Mammoth to LA in California. Okay. So spacing it out time wise and making sure like this fake town could actually exist in a space <laughs> like that. And then the fake town of Fern Falls is inspired by um, so many mountain towns and places I've been that I would like to uh condense into one spot and also places I wish you know uh would exist yeah that's fun who has been your favorite character to write my favorite character to write oh my gosh um <laughs> some of them have made me laugh um just because I don't even know where they came from I, I appreciate Whitney and her smash the patriarchy vibes that's always fun. Whitney feels like she'd probably be a fun one to write. Yeah. That's fun. And Tanner, actually, I introduced him in book two as a Fern Falls favorite manic pixie dream himbo. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is him in a nutshell. So they, they have been fun to have on the outskirts. 
Um, but definitely, I have a very soft spot for Ben. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Ben's a sweetie. I love Ben. He's such a cinnamon roll. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad that that was achieved. Yeah, I'm really excited to read his full story. Thank you. He's not having a great time right now, but he'll be okay. <laughs> he goes through so much. Oh, Ben. I'm going to just send him a mental hug through the pages. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <gasps> which, um, which character are you the most like? Um, I think I'm a mix of Morgan and Ben, to be honest. You know, I think sometimes when you struggle with... Uh, any sort of like mental health, any mental illness, or um, in my case, I have OCD, anxiety, depression, that fun little mm. cocktail. So sometimes I have to be a Morgan and kind of be that more extroverted version um, for my day job or whatever needs to happen. Um, but like internally, I'm very much a Ben. <laughs> so okay. it, it's kind of learning how to, uh, I guess we all are kind of many different things in one so yeah yeah our characters pull out different facets of ourselves mm -hmm. yeah well I mean we wrote them so <laughs> oh I guess we did <laughs> I love how we're talking about them like they're people that exist they are they do exist <laughs> who was the hardest character to write mm, Ben has been the hardest from his point of view, because he's been very layered, and so it took a lot of excavating. Yeah. Morgan was always, her voice was, like, always right there. Okay. I think she was very angry, um, and so it, like, came across, like, very loud, her voice. Um, and Ben is a lot softer and dealing with a lot of insecurities, and so I think it's been like, okay, come on, <laughs> work with me here, tell me what's going on. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. See, they are real. I know. They are real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like where us writers just get each other and people on the outside are like, okay. <laughs> I know. It's a good thing this podcast is for writers. Y'all get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are there any recently released or upcoming books you'd like to recommend for people? Ooh, so many. Um, I will keep, I will keep my list brief because it's, you just can't stop. Right. So Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne, which just released this week. Absolutely incredible. Let's see. Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail comes out next week by Ashley Herring Blake. The Makeup Test by Jenny L. Howe is, of course, a favorite. Soulmates by Susan Lee. I'm so excited for Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne. I was so lucky to write a blurb for Kiss Her Once For Me by Allison Cochran, which is just... Um, I, I love how Allison describes it and she says, have you ever seen while you were sleeping and thought, wow, Bill Pullman reminds me of a Portland lesbian. <laughs> that is kiss her once for me. Um, that's that log line. <laughs> so, oh yes. That's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't picked that one up, it's just an absolute joy. That's amazing. Okay. I love that. Season of Love is a great one um, by Helena Greer. And then um, How to Excavate a Heart by Jake Maya Arlo. I'm really excited. I haven't been able to read it yet, but I'm excited for that one. That one's YA. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's on my list as well. Okay. You kind of mentioned a few, but Happy holidays, everybody. This is our holiday episode. Yay. Happy holidays. <laughs> Are there any favorite holiday books or movies that you'd like to recommend for people? Yeah. Um, 
An extra holiday book would be You're a Mean One, Matthew Prince by Timothy Janofsky. Um, and I was just on a panel with Reese Ryan, and the name of her book was... Oh my gosh, why don't I remember it? Shoot, it's like Valentine. It's because you're trying to think of it. I know, it's like Valentine in the Vineyard. I'm really excited to read that book because the way she described it was absolutely incredible. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so that one, movies, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, but the one that I watched on loop while writing in the event was Christmas Ever After with Ali Stroker on lifetime okay i don't think you did mention it yet yay okay, okay cool that one is like my comfort one i watch it constantly and ali stroker is just absolutely incredible cool okay so do you want to tell everyone where we can find you and your book sure i'm online at courtneykbooks.com and then social media i'm on Twitter and TikTok, but not really. I'm mostly on Instagram. <laughs> um, Instagram is my happy place. So you can find me on any of those platforms at, at court underscore K. Yay. Well, thank you. Oh my God. This was amazing. Like so much good stuff in here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Sabrina, and um, for hanging out with us to all you listeners. It's been a joy. It was so fun. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for episode 10. I'll have a content list and all the Courtney links in the show notes page of my website, linked below. And if you'd like to follow me or the podcast on Twitter, you can find us at Loftily Lotfi and at Lit Tea Podcast. Or if you'd like to have a question featured in a future episode, message me anywhere. I'd love to hear from you. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Jenny, say goodbye. <laughs>